Let us pray. Holy God, Word made flesh, let us come to your Word open to being surprised. Silence our agendas, banish our assumptions, cast out our casual detachment, confound our expectations. Clear the cobwebs from our ears and penetrate the corners of our hearts with your word. We know that you can. We pray that you will. And we wait with great anticipation. Amen. At the beginning of Luke's gospel, we learn that a man named Zechariah, a priest in the temple, is greeted by the angel Gabriel and told that he and his wife Elizabeth, who had been barren their whole lives, were going to have a child who would become John the Baptist. And then shortly thereafter, we learn that that same angel Gabriel visits Mary and tells her that she will have a child named Jesus who will be the Son of God. And today... We begin our reading in Luke's gospel where these two brave women meet. So a reading from the gospel of Luke, the first chapter beginning at verse 39. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to each of us. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And as Elizabeth shared this blessing, Mary sang. And singing, Mary remained with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned to her home. This word, this song is indeed the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What do you do when your plans unexpectedly change? Many of you have come to learn in our 18 months together that I'm a planner. From meal plans to a family calendar to worship plans for the entire coming year, I love to set goals and execute on them. It is the week before Christmas, so you can imagine that I have a frightening color-coded to-do list to get us from this morning to Christmas Day. I labeled it how to get things done and find some joy along the way. It's the fourth week of Advent. And I, like many of you, I suspect have switched from that watchful waiting we have been in to go mode, 
Truth be told, I get a kind of twisted delight out of plans that can be mapped out, put in a bulleted point list, organized in a multi-step process, and that I can complete in an orderly fashion on the timetable I set out for myself. I know enough of you to know that I'm not alone in this congregation. Perhaps it makes us good Presbyterians, everything decently and in order. With plans in place, we know what to expect. And we can live in that delightful sense of false control that we think we have over our lives. From the small things to the big picture goals, I think many of us desire to have a plan for how things are going to go. But if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that the joke's on us. We have, in the last 18 months, dropped words like definitely and certainly from our vocabulary. We've learned that plan A is just the plan that you put down on the piece of paper to serve as a placeholder so that you can begin drafting plan B, which most of the time feels like a lesser option than ideal, but one that we can live with simply because the original plan A is no longer allowed because of various and sundry restrictions in place. When Delta surged this past fall and the weather forecast suddenly turned ugly one morning and we had to reorganize a screen on the green event at the last minute, Amanda jokingly said, I, I thought we were done with this Plan B stuff. I have pandemic PTSD. We are so weary of pivoting and recalibrating. And perhaps that makes us particularly empathetic to the women in today's gospel story. Because I am sure that Mary had some idea of how her life was going to go. Mary Joseph finds stability and protection in his family, have a child with him if God allowed. So when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her that she was going to have a child prior to her marriage to Joseph, and not just any child, but the Son of God, shock was an appropriate reaction. No amount of being called favored one can take the surprise out of that kind of news. Her reaction, how can this be, has always felt like a watered-down version of what she must have been feeling on the inside as the plans for her life literally shifted underneath her feet. And some 80 miles away in the Judean hill country, her cousins, Elizabeth and Zechariah, had heard equally shocking news that they would become parents in their rather advanced age. News like this isn't about pivoting or reworking a scheduled event. These are life-altering plans. This kind of news from God requires a total recalibration of how they saw themselves and their life to come. It is no surprise that the angels begin, do not be afraid. So what do you do when your plans unexpectedly change? We sometimes think of stories like Mary's and Elizabeth's as ones that are safely relegated to the first century. We read them as distant stories because most of us have never been visited by an angel. 
Mary is the only one, to the best of my knowledge, who has been asked to bear Christ in this particular way. And so, in some ways, these stories can feel so far off and inaccessible. But the reality is, interruptions and disruptions that change the course of our lives happen all the time. Sometimes the plans that change are welcome, chosen, sought after, new life, new job opportunities, new love. All too often, these unexpected changes are ones that upend our expectations. The phone call from the doctor's office, divorce papers, the untimely death of a loved one, a tornado in December. And let me be clear that not all of our plan Bs are divine disruptions like Mary and Elizabeth's. We should be careful not to call experiences of suffering God's will or God's call. God, God wants for us life and life abundant. And yet I wonder if Mary and Elizabeth's experiences of holy interruption do in fact have something to offer us whether our changes in plans feel like blessing or curse. Whether we are seeking and hoping for change or not, change by its very nature disrupts and disorients us. And even when a holy interruption brings new life, delivered by an angel as it was for Mary, we need a minute to process and to ask what any of this might mean. So what do you do when your plans unexpectedly change. When plans change for good or for ill, we hope and we pray that God will walk with us on whatever new adventure or dark valley or uncertain road is suddenly before us because going it alone would be the scariest thing of all. Which is perhaps what I love most about these few quiet verses that are tucked into the birth story of Jesus. What does Mary do when her whole life changes in an instant? She goes and finds her person. We don't actually know Elizabeth and Mary's official relationship. In English translations, they call them cousins. In the Greek, it's kinswomen. What we know is that these women knew one another, trusted one another, and loved one another. They were years apart in age, but they shared a certain bond of spirit. There is no way that Mary would have made the trek from Nazareth all the way to the hill country if she was not fairly certain that she would be warmly received by Elizabeth regardless of what she was about to share. When plans change, you call your people. As much as we can trust that God is with us through celebration and hardship and life-altering events alike, when your plans change, what you need is a holy friend. You need a person who will believe you when you say that you were visited by an angel. And equally importantly, you need someone who's going to give you a hot meal and a place to stay while you figure out what to do next. Mary and Elizabeth were those kind of holy friends. What do you do when plans change? You find your people. Michelle Thomas Bush has been a youth pastor for many years and led more than her fair share of confirmation classes. 
And one of her first assignments for confirmands each year is to identify who is in your faith family. She literally makes the eighth graders go and personally ask three to six people in their life or in the church, people they are not related to and not only other youth, to commit to being their faith family. These are the people you can trust, who will pray for you, who will celebrate with you when you win the basketball tournament or get into the college of your dreams. They're also the people who will take your call if you end up in an unsafe situation and don't want to call your parents. They're the people you can come out to, the people you can call if you ever felt like life wasn't worth living. They will commit to love you purely because you are God's beloved, regardless of what life plans you make and what plans may be interrupted along the way. They're your people. We might call them holy friends. And Elizabeth was surely in Mary's faith family. Methodist pastor Gregory Jones is convinced that we need these kind of holy friends in our life. He says, holy friends challenge the sins we have come to affirm. They affirm the gifts we're afraid to claim. And they help us to dream dreams we otherwise would be afraid to dream. They serve as vehicles of God's reign to set our imaginations free for the future. And that's exactly what Elizabeth does for Mary. According to Luke, Mary greeted Elizabeth. We don't know if she told Elizabeth what the angel Gabriel had said or not. What we know is that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and that spirit empowered Elizabeth to lavish blessing upon this pregnant teenage girl, Mary. She poured out love and encouragement and joy upon Mary. You know, it's one thing to be received and protected and not shamed in a circumstance when the rest of the world is likely to shame you. That would have been blessing enough. But to be celebrated, loved, and blessed is the kind of thing only a holy friend can do. Elizabeth served as a vehicle for God's reign by helping Mary trust and dream about what God could do in spite of the circumstances that Mary found herself in. What do you do when plans change? You find your people. But what happens when you find your people? They give you the courage to dream to dream of how God can work through holy disruptions, not just in your own life, but in the world. Without Elizabeth, who knows what Mary would have done? According to Luke, Mary replied courageously to the angel, Here I am, servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. But it wasn't until she found her kinswoman, her holy friend Elizabeth, that she was actually able to envision how God might move through these circumstances through her to transform the whole world. Elizabeth gave her the strength to dream, and did Mary ever dream? Mary sings the Magnificat, whose words are so transformative and powerful that they unleash a vision that turns the world upside down by God's justice and mercy. 
Because of Elizabeth, Mary sings not just of what God will do in her, but what God will do in and for the whole world. This holy friend in a few quiet verses tucked in Luke's gospel helps Mary embrace her call as a change agent for the world and enables her to share God's dream. What do you do when plans change? You find your people. And what happens when you find your people? You have the courage to dream. Much like Mary didn't plan on becoming the mother of our Lord, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. didn't plan on being the spokesperson for the civil rights movement. His call was to be a pastor and a preacher. That was plan A in his life. But God had a plan B for Dr. King's life, a call to lead our nation toward equality and justice, a call that was clarified through his holy friends, fellow pastors, fellow kin, fellow leaders that helped him to see his potential and set him free to dream. As change was afoot in his life and his country, Dr. King found his people. And because of that, he was empowered to dream about how God could, in fact, transform the world. Dr. King's famous I Have a Dream speech at the March on Washington is etched in most of our collective memory. But I didn't know the story behind that speech until recently. On that August day in 1963, King walked up to the lectern at the Lincoln Memorial with a speech written and prepared. Sometimes Dr. King spoke extemporaneously with just a few notes, but this wasn't one of those times. He and his fellow civil rights leaders had poured over every word in this potentially historic speech. And the words, I have a dream, were not in it. His original speech talked about a bad check written by America's founders, which black people were seeking to cash. And when he was nearly done, he came to this phrase that, found, that he felt kind of awkward, and he paused for a moment. And his single voice cried out, tell him about the dream, Martin. That voice was the, that of Mahalia Jackson, the queen of gospel music. Witnesses say that when he heard her words, King slid aside the rest of his speech and started to preach off the cuff. I have a dream, Dr. King said, and well, you know the rest. Had it not been for his people, his holy friends, Dr. King might not have been empowered to live into God's call for his life. It wasn't plan A, after all. But because they encouraged him, believed in him, blessed God's call upon his life, Dr. King, like Mary, had the courage to dream. And what the world needed to hear that day on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial was about God's dream for the world. Tell him about the dream, Martin. What do you do when plans change? You find your people. And what happens when you find your people? They give you the courage to dream, to sing, 
about God's dream for the world. God gave Mary and her holy friend and kinswoman Elizabeth so that she would have the strength to sing. When Mary's plan A turned into plan B, when her world got turned upside down, her holy friend Elizabeth blessed and celebrated God's unexpected transformative plans for Mary so that Mary could proclaim God's transformative unexpected plans for the world. I don't know how our lives will be turned upside down, probably not in exactly the same way that Mary or Dr. King's were, but if we are to learn anything in these recent months, it's that whatever our plans were for our lives, there's a decent chance they're going to change. And when they do, rather than finding ourselves devastated, alone, afraid, or exhausted, perhaps it's time to phone a friend, to find your people, the ones who can see blessing amidst hardship, opportunity amidst impossibility, hope amidst our stress, and who will love us enough that we are yet able to sing to the world God's dream. May it be so. Amen.